Welcome back to another episode of the Black Jackson Estate Podcast. It's showtime at the Black Jackson Estate, not at the Apollo, but it's the same vibe. It's all family. We love y'all. We love that you keep hanging out with us because, you know, if y'all don't come hang out with us, then what in the world, what in the world are we doing this for? Exactly. I am usually <laughs> one. <laughs> and I am so happy to be here today with the other users who, like myself, love and appreciate Michael Jackson and the Jackson family. User two, what it do? You know that meme that says, I'm tired of this church, the little boy. <laughs> Sometimes I'd be like, I'm tired of Michael Jackson. No, you don't. But I'm not because I was you not you know why free time. You know why? Because you rock my world came on this morning when I was working out, right? Okay. And you know the part right after the bridge when he's like, F you he got into it. I said, that's my nigga. I said, get into it, Mike. He was into it. And that's why you can't quit him. He just got too much juice. He ain't even here. Yeah. I don't he ain't even, even know. here. He draws you back in. The other day, and you're, you're not lying, he draws me back in when I'm fatigued. I realize how much money we don't get to do this podcast, <laughs> how much money the estate has and Ooh. could spread around. Yeah, we need to be on um, the payroll at this point. And you know what? They know that. No, we need to take it over because it's not it's not justice being done over there. But anyway. And you know what? They know that, too. But wherever I too. was, butterflies came on and I said, you know what? I remember mm-hmm. when this hit and it was mm-hmm. fresh out. And I Ooh. said, I said, this is this is it. This is the one. This, this is, is the, the one. one. And it took me back to that moment in 2001. But yeah, you know, those moments are fleeting. But here we are. I'm back again. So. Mm-hmm. Pleasure. Pleasure. We love you, Mike. We love you, Jackson family. Just love them. User 1.5. Welcome back to the podcast. It has been a moment in time. We took a little break, but here we are again. How are you feeling about being here again, being in the service one more time? You know, I'm, I'm just glad to be in the number. Uh, honestly, I feel like I need to shout out a song from Invincible at this point because user one talking about you rock my world user two we butterflies mm-hmm. so listen uh heaven can wait boom mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell the you know wait my tax refund i need my coin mm, well see you unlike everybody else who needed their coin filed on the last day it was due so for those of <laughs> don't you tell these people my business internationally who don't know what we're talking about in the united states there is a due date in which you have to file your taxes and you either owe uncle sam aka the government aka Joe money or they're going to give you some money back that they stole from you during the year with no interest with zero interest zero user one my dear listeners, waited until the last moment of the last day to send hers in. And now she's waiting on her money, got her arms crossed and her lips pursed. Mm-hmm. I need it. Waiting on Jabodin to give her her money. I need it in my life. Build you know? back better. He will not be reelected, folks. Build All right. We are swiftly moving forward. I'm just so glad that you guys are here and that you're feeling good because when y'all feel good, I feel good. I feel good. All Did over. Did you just throw Joe Biden under the bus and like we supposed to keep driving? You want me not to say anything? 
He's so Barack. He's I would prefer it that way. I'm just I would prefer better that alert. Way. Bill back better <laughs> wow. alert. You don't work for his campaign. There's really zero. I zero. Don't work for his campaign directly. <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and told, on the note, no, yeah. no, no, we're not even gonna go there. We're gonna Goodbye. keep it moving. Joe, um, it definitely won't be common. Never mind. Um, <laughs> and on that any, note, anyway, we're moving forward. We're keeping it positive, y'all, because we just love to do this podcast and talk about Michael. And so we're keeping it on a one hundred, keeping it at a ten. We love and the so tour. I, we love the tour, and I'm so glad to have the the other users here. I'm glad everybody's feeling better. User 1.5 and myself are just getting a really nasty colds. No COVID. We have been checked. It has been secured. God said no. So we're just getting better, and we're happy to be here. We're really excited about this episode because it's a part two. This episode is a companion. It has an anchor, like your soul that should be anchored in the Lord. It has an anchor and it's episode one of sister, sister, Tia and Tamara, Venus and Serena. Nope. Rebe, Latoya, and now Janet. So if you are here, you are tuned in to the Janet Jackson hour of the black Jackson estate. It's going to be fly. It's going to be sexy. It's going to be all the things Janet is because we are showing love to the sister who has done it with a capital I-T and nobody can dispute it. Nobody can deny it. No one can disagree with the facts because they are what they are. When it comes down to Janet, Demita, Joe, Jackson, Miss Jackson, if you nasty, I will grind this stage and bring 10 niggas up here and grind them too if I feel like it. Humping on them, hunching on them. Hey, baby, put the coochie coochie Uh, on their face. uh. Put the coochie on their face. And so, the original hot girl. It's always a Janet Jackson hot girl summer. So we are showing so much love to Janet Jackson, the third sister on the Sister Sister episode. We had to give her her own space. Like, do y'all feel like we did that right? Like, should we just figure out a way to to tag her on? Or is this like we had to do? We had to do her own day. Yeah. How? gonna work janet has there are so many things you can say about Janet. first of all janet has her own cult following okay first of all like michael does and her people might be just as crazy if not a little crazier than the michael jackson well no anyway um uh-uh, no no i think we've already addressed not. that in the previous yeah. episode y'all were not running up to michael saying michael is janet <laughs> baptized <laughs> janet fans would not do that that's a, that's, a, that's a fact. I mean, I think you already threw the Europeans under the bus. I feel like you said those through the European fans to do that. But over here in America, we're just as damn crazy. And you know what? Here's the yeah. thing. I'm glad that we're doing this separate and apart from her documentary because this really gave everybody time to digest Janet in the chunks that she wanted us to digest her in uh, for the documentary. And now we can do a, a, a hard reset and we can have our own discussion about Janet. I'm a proud mama. Listen, whoever has decided to turn all the Janet pieces from the documentary into TikToks, I appreciate you. We couldn't have added her to the other sisters episode because there's just way too much to talk about. So we had to give her her own space. So I think we did this right. But we had so much fun on the last episode talking about Rebe and Latoya. And we love that you guys checked it out, that you listened to it, that you enjoyed it. And so we just want to appreciate and show some love to some folks who gave us some love on our last podcast. Um, Sheila W on Twitter 
who is I homie and maybe yours or maybe your frenemy. I don't know. Or your enemy. Y'all might, you know, she she don't care about y'all blocking her. She just be like, I'm going to say what I want to say or whatever. And I can appreciate that anyway. Sheila W said, tune into the realest Jackson family fan made podcast on the Internet. The Black Jackson Estate podcast celebrates, honors and discusses Michael Jackson and his family from a all cap, all cap black perspective. That is so true. Is that what we do? Thank you, Sheila. We appreciate that. We appreciate the love. She got real hype just in there. She that is so true. Why are you always on the road? Why are you always <laughs> on the road? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. We had a lot of love for Canada. Finished the Temptations movie, and they're going to be a little lost on that one. But that's okay. They need to get out of this podcast if they don't. Know right? That. If, if you, you don't haven't, know, you don't know. If you haven't watched all of the Motown-based biopics and musicals, why are you here? Why are you here? Leon's why? in most of them too. Just FYI, I think Leon's in all of them actually. But we're gonna let that slide. Fine, he's still fine. Yep. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. Her. Bria Johnson said, ladies, you rock so hard. Finally, someone is giving Reebing and legend Toya the attention and res- the respect yeah. that they deserve. I can't wait to play this at the gym tomorrow. We're a good gym podcast. You're going to don't fall off the treadmill. You might follow the treadmill. We're a good gym podcast. Not at the Church of Latoya. <laughs> <laughs> and always our faves over at the Jen Jackson podcast. <laughs> Had to had to let us know, you know, a little bit that we came after Rebe and it was just not needed. She said, hi, hello, good day. This is Courtney. <laughs> this, hey, this is not, Courtney. not cousin Cam, it's Courtney. <laughs> hi, hello, good day. I had I to pause hear this. this in Courtney's voice. It's so straightforward. And I pause this a, episode. Hi, hello, good day. Hi, hello, good, good, and good day. I had to pause this episode. Due to the stress caused by the gross mischaracterization, not just the mischaracterization, gross, of Maureen's skills. I might have LOL'd, but I cannot stand by why you repeatedly say that <laughs> Rebe cannot dance. Two left feet. What is your evidence? Did she ask for the evidence? What is your evidence? Okay. Courtney, I know you've seen the centipede video. That's fair, Courtney. <laughs> That's the evidence. That's fair, Courtney. Courtney, you don't know what Courtney is. The Courtney might have thought it was the best choreo that she had seen since Paula Abdul's whatever. I don't uh-huh. think Courtney thought that at all. I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't get that. It's, since Paula's and, Lake and of you know what? I will say this. It could have been the heels. I think Reapy had on a little kitten heel in the centipede video. And it only is that allowed what it her. It was a heel. She, and she Beyonce was over here that, dancing in whole six 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 stilettos. But Matthew Knowles had Destiny's Child running laps in Houston with heels on. Joe Jackson was not that type of daddy. He had him moving them cement blocks. Ruby wasn't moving no damn cement blocks. She was How cleaning you know? them green. Do you know? I've seen the Jackson Five and I've seen the Jacksons in American Dream. We need to know, know. Ruby. Did you record. ever move one cement block? Did Joe ever no. have you move a cement block? Imagine. Reby or Latoya moving a cement block. Yeah, fuck right. Joseph yeah, Jackson had a very, <laughs> very traditional, <laughs> traditional. I was gonna say sexist, but very traditional household. The the women children did the cooking and the cleaning. The boy children did the 
cleaning and the physical labor and the touring, which is <laughs> a bonus in most families. <laughs> Oh, I cracked myself up, but no, listen, Ruby's not a great dancer, but can she lead worship service? Oh, man, absolutely. She? Yeah. You know what? You know, what was said about her dancing? Um, it was true. You know, it just was. And, you know, it's just a fact. It's just, I can't, I, you know, I would look. Wait, hold on. You're an attorney. Can you yeah. definitively say that's a fact? Because we I mean, it's subjective. It. It's an opinion. Well, well, give it to her. Give it to her. It's, it's an opinion, you know, it, and everyone's got opinion. one. It's everyone's got one. I, I think when the overwhelming, if we were to take a poll, it would start to cement itself more as Sounds a, like we're going to do a poll. I, I don't know about that, but you guys want to do a Reby poll. We should do a Reby poll. Let's do a Reby poll. I think Reby is, I think she was on beat and good for her. Amen. I think that's the technical definition of dancing, moving on beat to music. And she did like- something no other Jackson, except maybe Michael has done, which was growl on a song. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you remember that part. I'm out. I'm gone. Which, which Jackson y'all. has done that growl? Reby Twinkie Clark Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please turn off her microphone. Ashley, turn off your microphone. You're done for tonight. You're done. Angel Harrison said, God bless you. We, I love you all so much for what you're doing. You all have been a blessing to me in my life. And you know what? We appreciate that. We really do. That's why we keep pressing on we press toward the mark toward the price of the donation um god bless you god bless you when people say things like that we we really appreciate it we appreciate people listening because we know that why we started the podcast we know why we continue to do it and so these sort of affirmations and expressions of love do not go unnoticed thank you so much for tuning in everybody if other people i know have left us comments and i appreciate you we can't get to everybody but keep leaving us comments because we will probably shout you out on this podcast because that's what we do because we love uh interacting if it was just us it would be totally boring if we didn't have the jacks leads to drag i mean how much fun could we really have Keep dropping those comments, y'all. Keep uh, listening. Keep uh, commenting on the podcast. Keep the discussions going. That's how you keep the legacy alive. That's how you keep the amazing legacy of Michael Jackson alive and the legacy of this family, this Black American family who has done something that literally has never been duplicated or done before them in modern history. That's how you keep uh, that legacy alive and going. So thank you so much for your support. Continue to drop us those comments of love. And we will continue to read them here on the podcast. We are a podcast that is powered entirely by the people. And we appreciate all of you. And this episode is brought to you by our brand new user, Bria Johnson. Bria, thank you so much for your donation. Your donation keeps this podcast going. It keeps us going. It lets us know we are moving. We are headed in a new direction and it is the right one. And we appreciate your love because guess what? You could listen and say, I really enjoyed that. I can't give or I don't have the money to give. But you took the time in an inflation ridden economy and somebody better say amen to that because gas is out of control. You still took the time to support this black podcast, Amen. the Black Jackson Estate. And man, Bria Johnson, we appreciate it. We appreciate all 
let me, I have to give another special shout out to black women who are supporting this black woman led podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody around the world. We get donations from all over the place and it is not unnoticed. We love you all and we appreciate you all, but we certainly uh, recognize the black women who are also, and men, but we certainly appreciate black women uh, supporting us. That's what we love. We love that. We love when we see it. We love to see it. Bria, thank you so much. Support our podcast, y'all. Donate. You can give on PayPal. We are on PayPal. Find us at Black Jack Estate. We are on Cash App. Dollar sign BLK Jack Estate. You can also follow us on social media. You know what's up on Twitter. I'm over there running them tweets. Find us at BLK Jack Estate on Twitter. Use 1.5 is on our Instagram, hanging out with y'all on that platform and giving you what you need over there. I mean, I don't know what other platform we need to really be on. But wherever we are at, you can find us, BLK Jack Estate, uh, user 1.5. You can find her personal Twitter if you just want to holler at her. Twitter.com backslash Reina Latoya, user 2. Twitter.com backslash. Are you available to the people now? I'm still on private, but if you request me or send me a DM that says he, he or Shamon, I might let you through the gate. And if you don't want to do all that, just catch her back here on the next episode of the Black Jackson State Podcast because she will be here for that. If you love us, continue to leave us comments, send us emails, send us text messages. Scratch that. We don't, you don't have our number. Don't, don't try and text us. But just hit us up. You love us. If you hate us, you can send some hate mail. It'll get read. You'll get dragged. Got any questions? Fan fiction. We got some good fan fiction coming up. We took a little break. There's a reason for that. We got some good fan fiction coming up. Send us anything you're, you're reading now, anything you love. I love good fanfic. We love memes. We love everything in between. Email us at theblackjacksonestate at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Y'all hear that music? You know exactly what it is. It is the news segment. It is the news hour at the Black Jackson Estate podcast. You know, we got very, very limited news. There's two things I wanted to bring up. And I think you guys will enjoy having a bit of a discussion about number one. Okay, we'll keep it all Michael. We'll keep it Michael right now. Thriller Night 2022. Tickets are on sale now. And I'm getting this directly from TJ Jackson's Twitter. He posted a link where you can go and buy those tickets if you're interested. As everyone knows, Thriller Night is an annual charity event. It is uh, held at... Havenhurst, the home of the Jackson family. And it's really a cool event um, every year that they throw. Very big bash. Fans are invited into this home, which is amazing, right? That's the idea that fans are invited in. And inside of that invitation, fans get a really good treat and look at lots of exclusive memorabilia. Uh, and also, of course, at that Jackson family compound, um, it is somewhat open um, and it's just a good night for charity. So those tickets are actually already on sale. So the link, uh, it, it is who's ready to celebrate Thriller's 40th anniversary. So this one's going to be pretty, pretty good. It's a two night event with each night having a unique experience for guests. You can dress to impress, get your, get your costume on. And this is a costume party. Tickets are sold first come first serve and they are sold for separate nights or you can buy for both nights. Those dates, if you're interested are October 28th and 29th at seven 30 to midnight. Very uh, befitting. And that's of course in Encino, California, you gotta be 21 no exceptions. So if you're under age, backstage, under age, 
not here. Okay. Not going to happen. Okay. Got to be 21 to get in. And how much do you guys think the tickets cost this year? Well, according to my research, they were about $1,200. Mm-hmm. No. Night one. Fifteen hundred night oh, two. Oh yeah, that was the early bird tickets Prince posted, and that's over. Mm-hmm. So each night is going to be fifteen hundred. You can get them both for three thousand. And if you're real, if you got it like that, and you want to donate to cover the credit card fees for that three thousand you just paid, you can also do that. What do you guys think about Thriller Night twenty twenty two? What do you first? Let me start with this. What do you think about just the idea of it? It is a charity event, correct? Like a hundred percent goes to charity. Am I, I'm correct in that, right? Pretty sure it's split between the Healed Los Angeles Foundation, which is the nonprofit Prince Jackson runs, and uh, D. Jackson Foundation that 3T founded. Um, I can't afford it. I live in poverty, so count me out. I think it's for a great cause. The prices, considering it's a charity event, actually are kind of moderate. I think that's like the one big fundraiser they have all year. And they give to the homeless uh, through Prince's Org. And then I think through the D.D. Jackson Foundation, they do uh, like grief, grief counseling type events for students or um, young adults. And so for them to have that one event to fund all of their work throughout the year, I think the prices make sense. User 1.5, you going to go? Um, yeah, that's going to be a negative unless they're going to give us tickets as a Black Jackson estate for all of God's work that we've been doing on behalf of Michael for the last few years. Um, I, I think it's a good event. I really think it's good for the fans. I mean, I know we're raising money for charity and that's awesome, but I think it's good for the fans to, to go in, to see Havenhurst, to kind of walk around and, and have the opportunity to, to at least feel like they've been in a space where Michael, you know, spent some good times and um and and to kind of co-mingle with other fans and with the family so good listen if y'all can go and y'all want to sponsor me i don't say much i'll be quiet just i just need you i just need you you know i feel like angelo on 90 day neither of y'all should be going no neither of y'all should be going because you're gonna accost portage that's not that's not true i'm not gonna you are a phone number for the last three years i haven't sent that man no gifts memes nothing you've got the energy for in person a cost station no i don't know what he has done and what he has not done or you know what you ain't even a real one if you don't as much as you done talk the shit over here that's not necessarily true if I it was, is absolutely if i true. was at a charity event i'm not pulling come on that is Jackson a sucker answer i'm gonna this shit so i can give that's a terrible answer that is not a real answer it's a fundraiser for his mother yeah, like you don't yeah. think that's a you bad can, idea uh, i didn't say you was gonna run up on him that's a whole different energy i wouldn't do that anyway but you wouldn't ask this guy to his face if you had like hey bruh how's the pot how's the how's the how's <laughs> the doc going so i mean listen i'm just trying to say let's keep it real like if you were there you wouldn't say a thing i think i'm I would, I say I would ask him I, I mean, you can Hitachi. ask very nicely. You don't, I don't have think to be I would rude. Ask a Havenhurst. Now, if I saw him at the coffee yeah, shop, I, I would ask him. 
I don't want to ask him at his pa- grandparents' house. That just feels disrespectful. Because if somebody raised you, he's using it for charity event. <laughs> okay, it's open, ain't it? He need to have his own event because it's if you want it, then, then, then you if you don't want it, then don't have it there. Have it at the ballroom. I'm playing Taj's advocate. If somebody ran up on me. That's why I said it's not a run up. That's why I said it's not a run up. If somebody approached me at my grandparents' house about something I was not doing to their liking, I probably (laughs) slapped the fuck out of them. And that's whether I was scamming or not. Man, listen, if you scared, go to church. If you scared, go to church. All I'm saying is that given the opportunity, you and I both are in a world where there is a very nice and respectful way to approach anyone about anything if it's called accountability and not disrespect them. Is it when you're dressed as a vampire, though? Absolutely. Matter of fact, Man, oh, really? you should be Why dressed not, as a GoFundMe page. And that way it'll be on oh, brand. How about that? Listen, here, here's oh. what I'll say. Taj, I'll be at an investor conference all this weekend. I will save the materials. <laughs> and if you email us at theblackjacksonestate at gmail.com, I can share with you a bit about how we're raising money here in North Carolina and what other folks are doing nationally to meet their needs uh, during this midterm cycle. And I'm sure you can get a little something out of that. So I'll save some brochures and flyers. Um, and I got a couple PowerPoint slides that you might find useful to pitch to donors as well. But, you know, I'm 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 not going to accost you outside of Catherine's home. Oh, my God. Let me say this about Tosh. And I ain't going to say nothing else about him. Y'all can read how much money he has or has not collected in just a minute. But let me say this about Tosh. Tosh has you got, you got done, 30. He Go. has done a masterful job at avoiding answering the direct damn question, which is when is this documentary going to drop? And also part B of that question. Part 1B, how much work have you actually done? Do you know when Jesus will return? The, no, Bible, but, but the Bible says, says no one knows the day, no hour. So what you're not Taj is the Bible. And that's Taj how we close out that, that whole circle moment. Money? He's been collecting money for years. No it's man knows the day years. nor the hour. <laughs> Hell, at this point, we're probably collected as much as Tosh. Their donations. No, no we no, haven't. We but let me not. tell you what. <laughs> hey, user one, as a matter of fact, you want to go ahead with the update? Because we're yeah, severely let me, let behind Tosh. So let me tell you this. Okay, listen. No man knows the day nor the hour when the son of man shall return. No man knows the day nor the hour when the son of Tito shall drop his documentary. Never. And guess what? Huh? It's just a fact. Never. And that's cool. Y'all just need to sit never. tight. I don't have the numbers because I never get these numbers together. So unless they're you, in the chat, they're in the oh, chat. they're in the chat. Uh-huh. Taj's goal. So we're going to talk a little bit about Taj's documentary, which we do every episode, courtesy of deference to user two, who I love very, very much. I love you, boo. Yep. So Taj's goal for his documentary is $777,000. That is U.S. dollars. Okay. Um, He is at $246,770 so far. That's what he's raised. Since our last episode, he has raised $1,978. And he is he needs to reach his goal of $777,000. He needs an additional $531,230. And so uh, we would like to say, of course, if you have already donated to Taj's efforts and you feel so compelled to do so again, absolutely, Taj is raising money to produce a documentary about his uncle's life in the pursuit of the truth 
and justice about the life of Mike Jackson. And that is where he is. If you have not donated um, and are wondering if you should donate, you should check out Taj's updates and make that decision for yourself. It's your coins, baby. And listen, if you are in the United States of America, gas is too damn high. The rent is also too damn high. And so you listen, you may have uh, an overflow. Your cup may be flowing. And if it is, Taj's documentary is available, but also the Black Jackson Estate would most certainly appreciate your love and support as well as a podcast that is putting out content on the regular about Michael Jackson. There are also other podcasts celebrating this magnificent family. Of course, Taj is continuing to raise money and that is where he currently is. And so we uh, continue to look out for Taj's uh, content and to see where he is on his journey to raising money for the documentary about his uncle Michael's magnificent life and legacy and the travails that he also uh, experienced uh, on this. Yeah, earth. yeah, yeah. Let me say this. We've <clears throat> raised less than 500 dollars doing this podcast which we started i don't know if that's true in 2019 no i'm looking at the spreadsheet you're looking at the numbers oh i'm looking at the numbers okay and that's not including what we've raised recently if we include what we raised recently we're over 400 but we are under five hundred dollars raised since the inception of this podcast in 2019 now i'm not saying you got to give. But I'm saying if you listen to the podcast and you laughed, pay it, just pay, pay a little time. Give me look, look, look. Five dollars. Okay. Get a beef chalupa. Okay. And and let me put it in a perspective. We pay more and outgoing costs for this Hello. podcast. Hello. I think that's what people really need to understand. We're not this money that we raise for our podcast, we appreciate every single dollar, which is why we sing the praises of people who donate because we appreciate you for real. Um, the MJ cast has donated to us. Uh, we've had many, many Michael fans donate to us and we appreciate you because we know that it's a sacrifice and none of us are rich. None of us are, it would be nice, you know, but we understand the sacrifice it is to give to something you are not obligated to do. So we are so appreciative. Um, but certainly, we don't we don't uh take this money and go uh to the casino in Cherokee land in North Carolina. We don't go to Cherokee County and go uh to the casino, right? We we use this money for our podcast and we I'm use afraid it of the mountains to, anyway. She is afraid. And the last time we took her there, she got to see the Jacksons though. So it's it's all good. But we use this truly to keep our podcast going. We appreciate every dollar. Support us because we are supporting the work of Michael Jackson. We are helping to keep his legacy alive. We provide a different perspective and we appreciate every single dollar that comes in the door. User two, what else were you going to add to that? I'm tired of this church. I'm just kidding. Michael Jackson costs me money every month to keep this. Every month, babe. She's literally not lying. I mean, yeah. that said, we are saying we, we love, love Michael. You. It's a it's a and labor love of Michael. love. Right. And we and we didn't start this to get donations, right? But we have kept going and understand that there are operational costs and expenses. And so we appreciate folks who also recognize that. All right, the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame, which preserves the heritage of North Carolina music. We are North Carolina natives and we live in North Carolina. Listen, North Carolina, stand up, take your shirt off 
twist it around your head. And if you're from North Carolina, you know what comes next. You know what you should be doing next, okay? The North Carolina Music Hall of Fame preserves the heritage of North Carolina music and they honor the past um, and honor the shaping of the future of music in North Carolina. And they recently have announced their 2020 inductee, Stephanie Mills, Grammy award-winning R&B singer, songwriter, actress, former girlfriend of Michael Jackson and Broadway star who has called Charlotte, North Carolina, her home for more than 30 years. Her career spans five decades with her rise to stardom as Dorothy and the Wiz. She is our new North Carolina Music Hall of Fame 2020 inductee. That is such an honor. This is a quasi Stephanie Mills podcast, apparently. And we want to take a moment to say congratulations to Miss Stephanie Mills. Stephanie Mills is one of the voices. I mean, she literally, little Dorothy from Kansas um, in the Wiz. And, you know, Miss Mills, we still have our invitation for you to come on the podcast. You are up the street, ma'am. We will come to you. We've got people who want to hear what you have to say about you and Michael and everything else. So we still are, are, are petitioning you, ma'am, to come on the show. But congratulations. I might show up and see you so I can talk to you in person. Don't I feel call like, nobody on me. I Don't feel like me. Whitney Houston. I want to run to you. No, this is, oh, I never seen. (laughs) I just made this up because I spent all this time in Charlotte and I never saw Stephanie in traffic before. And let me tell you something, Charlotte traffic is hell. It's hell. I never saw Stephanie Mills on 485, 77, 85. Because that's for y'all. That ain't for her. Right. Yeah, she's quite flying a bit, y'all. She was in the hot Yeah, she's like, that's not for me. That's for y'all. No, Stephanie Mills must live in Ballantyne. She's probably very well taken care of out there. Everything she needs is probably within, you know, a bicycle ride away. But I'm sure she loves North Carolina. Great change from New York. Listen, the mean streets of New York definitely prepared you for Broadway. But, you know, down here, you can breathe. Except mm-hmm. when the pollen's out, you know? But there's no smog. There's no... There's no smog, you know? We give you milk, little cookies. Very nice, very charming, very sweet. Stephanie Mills being honored for the phenomenal talent she is is always news to us that we want to acknowledge. We love her, and we love the way she sings home. Because when I think of home, I think of a place... Where there's love overflowing. I still got a cold, so it's a little messy. But anyway, Stephanie Mills being honored in North Carolina is absolutely what we live for on this podcast. So shout out to Miss Stephanie Mills. We appreciate you in North Carolina. That's all I can say. And that ends the new segment for this episode of the Black Jackson Estate Podcast. We are moving into the meat, the main course. You have already had your appetizer, and hopefully you have gotten yourself a nice glass of wine or your drink of choice, just maybe some water, and you are relaxed and ready to talk about the phenomenal Janet Jackson. User 1.5, it's all yours. Thank you, user one. I just want to start by saying great conversation about 
the other Jackson sisters on our part one of this two-part episode of Sister Sister for Rebe Jackson and the queen, LaToya Jackson, who I was named after, and that ain't no lie. Users, do either of you have any... Thing you want to add in this reflection period that maybe we didn't say about Queen Latoya or Queen Rebe last episode. Yeah, I want to add this before we jump into Janet. The sisters were in a group when Janet was very young. Okay. Was it a gospel group? It was not a gospel group. Because <laughs> we looking for we looking for some Clark Sisters vibes here at this point. Oh man, do you know how much I would pay to hear them sing <laughs> My Redeemer Liveth? Like Jesus. Listen, Rebe, Miss Jackson, if you're listening, Miss Rebe Jackson Brown, give us some gospel music. I'll take a Kirk Franklin from Rebe. Uh, uh, yeah, Rebe. Because you on. know what? You Kirk Franklin's a huge Michael fan and he can flip Centipede into a worship song. Yep. Between Rebe and LaToya, um, I think they did excellent jobs as sisters. Uh, raising this little one that we're going to talk about. And she turned out to be a superstar. I don't think anyone was prepared to handle. She watched her brothers like a hawk, honed her skills through trials and tribulations, and found a way to become one of the baddest to ever do it. And that that work started in a group with her sisters. And I want to acknowledge the fact that they all had to do an iron sharpens iron thing. And even though that project never really took off, the genesis of all of their musical careers began as a sister singing group. And a lot of folks don't know that, but go on YouTube. You can find a couple hits from them. And by hits, I mean never released. Words of words of wisdom from user two, but hits she means never released. User one, anything you want to say about Rivi or Latoya before we jump into Janet? I just want to say I learned so much. I was talking to someone on Twitter about. I, matter of fact, I was talking to Andre. No, it's <laughs> okay. I watched too much Ninety Day Fiance. Not Andre. Andre. I, was talk, I was talking from to Maldova. um. No, I was talking to our fam. I was talking to our friend from, where is he from? Spain? Alexandre. He's from Spain. Okay, yeah, he, he is from Spain. So he said, I love the conversation on the Jackson sister. I had no idea Latoya had been so prolific. Great information, a lot to learn, and very interesting. Looking forward to part two. And I was telling him um, that I learned a whole lot from our episode, just getting the, the information together and listening to, I listened to a lot of Rebe. So in case you guys didn't know, so just kind of behind the scenes, user two and user 1.5 had done a lot of work on Latoya. And so so um, that was kind of covered. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll listen to some of Rebe stuff and get into what she's done. And so I listened to so many Rebe Jackson songs and albums, and I actually really enjoyed her music. I was very pleasantly surprised by how talented how talented she is. And so I think I'm, I'm really glad we did the episode when it was kind of first brought up. I was like, okay, cool. If that's what you guys want to do, but I didn't kind of know how it was going to shake out, but I'm so glad we did it. Rebe is so talented. Latoya is absolutely um, someone to follow. She talks about her first love being business. 
Um, and and really, you can kind of see that that must be true, how she's been able to stay so relevant and create that business for herself. We've talked about it, not just um, music, but TV shows and, uh, you know, this and that and whatever it was. She actually had a, a clothing line at one point. We talked about how great her fashion sense was, how she even eclipsed Michael. Really, if you were looking at the 80s, if you're really looking, she had to show him some stuff because she was dressing. Um, she did um, it to him. She did it to him. And um, Alexandra said uh, that we don't hear much on Latoya Jackson in Europe, if at all. Now I understand why uh, Q and you would love to invite her on. Why Q and you would love to invite her on the show. Q! That's, we love Q. We don't know where he at. We love Q. We can talk to Q in a minute. We love Q. But anyway. I feel like I talk to Q in Instagram every day, but also we need to bring him on the pod at this point. Okay, Q's on the pod. We need, yeah, Q needs to be on the podcast and um, the time zone, we'll work, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, user 1.5. I enjoyed what we were able to bring out. And I'm glad that other people really enjoyed what we talked about as well, because they were, they really were worth the content. Absolutely. And on a Q note, yes, we talk to Q almost every day on Instagram. He sends us memes and videos and comments. We love you, Q. Yes. The, the sisters, Rebe and Latoya, I think a lot of people, I think the thing I liked most about the last episode was that people who hadn't been introduced to them kind of formally got to know them better and got to know that in their own right, they had talent and they had fashion sense and they had business sense and, and, and that the Jacksons really are a family dynasty um uh, you know of of performers and of entertainers and they each kind of did their own thing in some cases running away from the jackson name and in some cases embracing the the jackson name but at any rate they all were able to kind of carve their own path and especially those two young ladies Rebe and Latoya. And I just want to say they all look just a damn like I mean they're gorgeous and they all three look just alike. Latoya don't look a day over 49. Neither does Rebe. We are going to jump into sister number three, part two of our sister, sister episode, Miss Janet Demita Joe Jackson. Janet was born May 16th, 1966, and she is the 10th and youngest child of the Jackson family. She began her performing career at the MGM Grand in 1940, I'm sorry, in 1974. Two years later, she began her television career with the variety series, The Jacksons, and in 1976, she went on to appear in other television shows throughout the 70s and 1980s, including Good Times, Different Strokes, and Fame. Have y'all seen her in Fame? With Debbie Allen, with Miss Debbie, with Queen Debbie Allen. Yes, that was the that was the show that everybody said she was pregnant on. She's married to that DeBarge boy. Anyway, that's not what we're talking <laughs> about today. So her choreography became a catalyst for the growth of MTV, enabling her to rise to prominence while breaking gender and racial barriers in the process. Her lyrical content focused on social issues and it set her reputation as a role model for youth. In 1991, 
Janet signed the first of two record-breaking multi-million dollar contracts with Virgin Records, establishing her as one of the highest paid artists in the industry and one of the world's most awarded artists. Her accolades include five Grammys, 11 Billboard Awards, 11 American Music Awards, a star on the Walk of Fame, uh, eight Guinness World Record entries, and a 2019 induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Janet Jackson has been cited as an inspiration among so many performers. I mean, can y'all think of her musical children? I can think of Sierra right now, for sure. Sierra basically was like cut and paste. I'm Janet now. Britney you know, Spears. Britney, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many young... Tinashe. Pop artists. Oh, almost every female artist right now. Everybody freaky. Meg Thee Stallion. Nicki Minaj. <laughs> um... Tiana Taylor has been doing the strict. Oh, keys. Tiana Taylor, yeah. He's been Doja you know, climbing on people. I mean, listen, everybody. If you freaky, you got it from Janet, okay? Listen, baby. I'm I do not, I am not, I don't enjoy women strictly dickly. But let me tell you what, I the way do. Janet has the way the way Janet does it will make you consider other options, you know, that they that are out there. Mm-hmm. And if you are a woman and you perform and you have found a way to bring your sensuality and sexuality to the stage in a way that is not absolutely disgusting, because that's also an option. Janet Jackson is probably someone you've studied about how to do that and to keep it actually appetizing and not something where you're like lord i hope they lice all the stage after this because um that ain't right so yeah all those artists that we talked about who really have mastered the art of um womanness you know on stage that you get it from janet you get you got something from janet yeah janet is an incredible performer and janet has had 11 studio albums the first of which was in 1982 it was entitled Janet Jackson. And the last was the Unbreakable album. I believe that was in 2018 or 2019. Um, oh, it was the 2015. I gave her some extra time. Um, was Black Diamond? Black Diamond was an album now? Yeah. No? Um, it, when, what was year we talking about? We Black talking about 2015? Black was Diamond it? has not come out yet. No. Oh, okay. Are we still waiting on that? Okay, that's what that's what we waiting on. Okay. Yeah, y'all yeah. ain't gonna get that. Y'all no, ain't gonna no. get that at all. You know how long it takes a diamond to form underground? That's okay. Well, be. y'all ain't gonna get that. <laughs> 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 all right. So of eight of Janet's eight studio albums, y'all, what is your favorite Janet Jackson album? Mm. Oh, I was not prepared to answer that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm coming with some hard questions. Well, before we go here, can we... So, the... uh, I wanted to say this, user 1.5, before you continue. So, you talked about Janet's first album. The Janet Jackson podcast had a really good episode. I believe it's the Finally In Control episode with Jesus Garber from November of 2021, where they talked about those formative years before she really was in control. And they talked about her moving into her own, as far as her sound, her music and what she wanted to do is after she fired her father everybody fired joe and then they moved into a new phase of blessings um and i'm I'm shaded though but i'm shaded Mm-hmm. Continue. Um, th- I just wanted to give a shout out to that episode because I really loved, uh, I believe that's the episode. If I'm wrong, just listen to it, listen to all of them and you'll figure out which one I'm talking about. They really broke down how Janet moved into her own. That first album, which was really her under the thumb of others trying to 
to shape her sound and her her image in the music industry to her going into what was she felt her 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 true self. And um, so I just wanted to give a shout out to the Janet Jackson podcast, who has done a marvelous job of documenting some of these things we're even talking about today to pivot into the the favorite album. um, I'm going to have to say my favorite Janet, Janet Jackson, as Danny, Daddy Yankee would say, my favorite Janet album. I think a lot of people would say is maybe Rhythm Nation. That was not my favorite. My absolute favorite is 20YO. I think it is my favorite because it's a coming of age album for me as I was a teenager when that came out and I was feeling freaky deaky, you know? She gave me the strength, That's fair. you know? I mean, I mean, being real, like as a young woman, Janet Jackson really was so at this point in control and comfortable with her sexuality and her like what it meant to be a woman that we was just all learning. We was Mm -hmm. taking notes. We was had the pencil and the pen. Now, That's what's all. your okay? So I'm gonna hit hit you with a part two before we go to user two. What's your favorite Janet Jackson song? Is it from that album? No, I get lonely is my very favorite Janet Jackson song. I get so lonely. That is my favorite. Oh yeah, Jackson that's a groove song. right there. That's a mm-hmm. groove. That's a. Groove. That's the one. Like that's the one that if I had to put everything else on the shelf and keep one from Janet, that's the one because I can go into worship. I can go into mm, okay, not of God. Okay, <laughs> it's, a, it's a different ooh, worship. Ooh, it's ooh. a different worship. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, it's, uh-huh. it's 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 carnal. It's a carnal worship, yeah. but you can go into worship. Okay, and you can go into a lot of different places. And I think her voice, so the sound was good for her. The voice, the 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 video was great. Um, she looked absolutely. I mean, Janet is a ten out of ten. Point blank, period, poo. You know, Janet's a 10 out of 10. And so that's one of the Those songs. I, that's Those one of the facts. songs I think really showcases that reality. So mm-hmm. Those are facts. All right, user two. Favorite Janet Jackson album, favorite Janet Jackson song. Favorite Janet Jackson album is Demita Joe. I want to say Rhythm Nation, like I'm um, cultured, but I'm just a sucker for Kanye and Jermaine Dupree. Like, they they did it for me and jimmy jam was a little jimmy jam terry lewis sprinkled in there uh so demita joe because i spent my lunch money buying that album and i went immediately after basketball practice smelling like the gym and it reminds me of my youth favorite song 24 player because the last the last like 60 seconds of that album is straight up moaning and groaning and yeah, um, I had my bisexual awakening when I was finally able to listen to Janet Jackson because my mother did not allow it. So I appreciate I appreciate Janet ushering me into uh, my gayer half. I really yeah. do. Yeah. And Janet has done that for many people. So kudos to Janet or or, you know, Janet makes people feel like you can just be who you are. Right. Like she just has this something about her and it could just be the whole Jackson thing um, and how her, you know, she seems to be very shy. But then when she she gets into her music, she becomes very sensual. And she just I mean, 
I just love Janet, you know. Um, so my favorite Janet Jackson album, I'm going to be boring and say Rhythm Nation. And I'm going to say Rhythm Nation because every single song on that album is a bop. OK, Miss You Much. One of I love. Oh, my God. I could play that one back to back. Um, Black Cat. I mean, that gives me all the energy I need. Escapade. Anyway, I'm not going down the, the track list of the album. That is my favorite Janet Jackson album. But my favorite Janet Jackson song is definitely a tie between All Night Don't Stop from Demita Joe. And I really like that song because that was one of the first songs where I was like, oh, Janet is pretty you know, Janet is Janet, right? I remember watching that on MTV, um, you know, when, and during the TRL, you know, when MTV actually played music videos um, era, like in high school, I remember watching that video and thinking it was just so cool um, to see her uh, dancing and singing this really sensual song about spanking a back door. I was like, okay, Jan. Um, so between that and feedback, and the only reason I like feedback, other than it's a decent song, is because of that little, rap in there when she says my swag is serious something heavy like a first day period i was like i ain't never heard nobody say that before in my life only janet could get away with it uh, who wrote that for janet I- <laughs> was it jd <laughs> it was jd one of them jermaine jd seemed like a vampire why too, would you my oh my god let, let me say um <laughs> you on don't that. say stuff like that unless you're doing th- something no yes you do it's women's empowerment i love it break this <laughs> yeah. stigma break this first, stigma. no that's what i'm saying is that if you saying stuff, uh, first of all a man wrote that lyric and a man who writes that lyric rodney jerkins you trying to say dark rodney child. jerkins was that, rodney? That? Dark child? that was rodney that was okay. a rodney song but rodney wrote the rap we don't know what Rodney wrote, what Janet wrote. We don't know how. Let's hold on. Feedback, Janet. Lyrics written by. Coming like a guitar blow out my ass. Oh, shit. No. <clears throat> uh, songwriters. Oh, my God. LaShawn Daniels, the great. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Emil Dernst. have no idea who Emil and Emil Dernst two are but i know exactly who lashawn daniels is mm-hmm. and if the great lashawn daniels god rest his soul wrote that line it makes it even better <clears throat> wait i think that was wrong hold on hold on wikipedia has different has different songwriters i'm sorry doesn't count songwriters we need to rock- phone a friend i got it i okay. got the wiki up okay songwriters Songwriters include Rodney Jerkins, Dernst Emil, again, Tazlima Yassin, and the great LaShawn Daniels. Produced by Dark Child and D. Mill. It was Emilio. Let's move on. <laughs> it was Emilio. We put it on Emilio. The mm-hmm. same way we put in them that's, uh, that's, words that's and bad lyrics the- on Jermaine. That's not the name that that I shared with y'all, but that's okay. That's okay. Who was it? Emily? It was Emily. Dernst. Dernst. Sorry, I got to clear my throat. Dernst Emilia. Not Emilio. Okay. Dernst Emilia. Yep. That particular line was Dernst. Yep. All right. Janet Jackson's first album, as I said, it was entitled Janet Jackson. Janet actually did not want to include her last name on this album for the same reason that Latoya didn't want to include her last name on her first album. They really want it to be separate and apart and independent from the Jackson 
boys um, and they really want to stand on their own. Of course, Papa Joe was in control. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, and he was like, hell no, nah, we put you in it. Ashley, where's your Joe Jackson voice? What's the what's the quote? Hell no, nah, you put the Jackson name on it. You put the Jackson name on the end of that album. You put the Jackson name on it. <laughs> Oh, but let me ask y'all this. Is that not a ridiculous sort of idea? Like I get saying it out loud, like, oh, I don't want my last name on it. But is that not ridiculous? <laughs> Am I it's the only not one if you that? truly want it's, independence? It's yeah. It's, but you've been not. on the variety shows. Everyone knows who you are. Which is exactly. why she's so why like we need, need to last name. Yep. Why we need well, last You see then. her face on the cover looking like Michael and LaToya, you know <laughs> who that is. But also it's like if you're Hunter Biden, why not use no. that name nope. to uh, never mind, ain't they investigating him? Uh, um, hey, you see Bill back, better alert. <laughs> do not do the brand. The brand is already in the shitter. You're trying to upset <laughs> Ashley. Don't upset me. You know I'm working her. with nothing this not, year. I, I'm working with nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I got two shoestrings and no shoes. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. And that's why we recorded this podcast because I know what need song it. it is. Shout it out. I know. Listen, um, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I think it's a ridiculous. I get the concept, the theory behind. I don't want my last name, but it's such a ridiculous thing to execute, which is actually a good thing that Joe did not allow that to happen because. Um, that's your currency. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you, not not to say you're not talented, but if no one knows who you are as an individual, that becomes your, your foot in the door. And why would you, why would you remove that? You know, here's, here's the thing. I, and I will say this as, you know, as I'm walking in my truth and, and my therapist tries to empower me, I will say this as a, person who has siblings sometimes you want to remove yourself from your sibling because you don't want to always be associated mm. specifically with them mm. so like you know like Come my, on, si- pastor. my sister and i we are 18 which apart. sister which this one? one okay uh, the, the user first one. user Got it. and so she's we're, we're 18 months apart i'm 18 months older than her and we always have been branded as a package right whenever you say one of our names usually in our family the other person's name is right down behind it right where are user one and user 1.5 you know what i mean so and and it gets old after a while and it's not that i don't love my sister i i love my sister but i also want to be an individual i imagine that's probably how twins feel um, always being branded as a package. And so I think for the Jackson sisters, they wanted something more than being lumped in with their brothers. And they were really trying to show that their success was their own. Um, and Janet really did, honestly, the best out of all three of these sisters because she really took the bag and ran with. But I just think that's why. First of all, I am, if I'm Michael, anyone would be fortunate to be linked to me. Guilt by association. Y'all run that sound bite. (laughs) Fortunate (laughs) to be linked to the hip. 
But no, I get that. I get the the idea of wanting to be individuals and that. But, you know, and I get I really get from Janet's perspective later on how this becomes even more necessary. At the beginning, I don't know so much. I think like you maybe you you your brothers worked really hard. Like use it. Use it. You know, she but was as she, young too. I mean, she was a baby. She was of really the young. Group. And like she said, she wanted to go to business school or she wanted to be a business lawyer. What she said she wanted to be? And take care of her debarge man. Yeah. yeah. And then she, you know, Joe was like, no, nah, I got these albums. <laughs> I got these songs. Matter of fact, I got three songs already. You're going to oh go now. But Janet, prior to this, had done some studio work with LaToya on LaToya's albums. And she actually wrote a song with LaToya that I, that we'll run down when we do our Patreon on LaToya, because I've included that in the notes for that one. But she actually wrote a song with LaToya at like 12 or something like that and recorded it and put it on LaToya's album. So I think Janet enjoyed the music business. It's what she knew. It's what she grew around, grew up around like entertainment. But I think she also thought, I don't know if it was mistakenly or not that she was going to be able to be her own person and really divorce herself <laughs> from, from from the the entertainment industry. She was 16 when she started recording the Janet Jackson album, her debut album. It debuted, um, I'm sorry, it hit number 63. That was its peak on the Billboard Hot 200 in 1982. Um, but it only sold 300,000 copies, which for albums, especially at that time where you had to go to the record store to literally pick up the album and pay the man behind the counter, that wasn't a lot of that wasn't a lot of movement for an album. So it was considered a flop at the time. But I mean, we got some Hot 100 hits in here. Young Love. That was uh, number 64 on the Billboard Hot 100. uh, Number six on the R&B and hip hop charts. Uh, We've got. Come Give Your Love to Me, that hit number 58 on the Billboard. So, I mean, she's got some some charting singles in there, but it wasn't the success that I think Joe wanted for sure. And it probably, in her mind, was like, I tell you, I didn't want to do this. We mentioned that she technically had two groups before she went solo. So she had the sister group with Reby and Latoya, but she also was in the duo with Randy where Love Song for Kids and... Um, I forgot the name of the other song that she and Randy had. Um, actually, that might have been the only one that we actually got to hear. No, no, no. There's another one. But Love Song for Kids is the one that I still listen to because it's weird and adorable. But Janet had two shots at it. And her story of origin was that she wrote a little bop. She went to the studio to record it because the brothers had built the studio on the Havenhurst property and she forgot to take the song off the cassette reels. So I can't remember if she said one of the brothers played it back and told Joseph or if Joseph heard it, but at some point Joseph heard it and he said, oh, this is actually good enough for us to make something out of this. And that's where when he started tossing her into different family combinations to see what would work. And then ultimately um, after good times took off, just, letting her have her own solo career but she was naturally on her own in her spare time genuinely 
enjoying the songwriting process and recording for her own pleasure and it just so happened to leak and when she tells that story and I think she told it in the documentary she was kind of embarrassed because it was just something she had done for herself and then her father decided oh we gonna monetize this we got another one we got another one <laughs> so we got one Katie we got one we got another one Katie we got another one Katie so oh I God. can't blame him I mean listen I got to meet a Joe out of it so thank you Joseph appreciate it True. And I think we forget, too, that prior to her Janet Jackson album, her first album, she was on Good Times and she was also on um, uh, Different Strokes as uh, Willis's girlfriend. Right. Was she Willis's girlfriend? She was. Uh, yeah. Was it Charlene? I don't remember because different strokes weren't one of them shows that I that I was I like, was I gotta catch it when it come out. Now good times, I could tell you every penny episode, but um different strokes that won't that, that wasn't in my orbit as much. Um but yeah, so she was still in the middle of her run on different strokes when this album dropped, because she was on different strokes from 1980 to 1984. Um and so when this album dropped, she's probably going to set every day, learning her little lines at, at you know. And and going to set and being Willis's little girlfriend, little cute little girlfriend. And then she going home to Havenhurst and Joe up there talking about seeing that song like I told you. But anyway, that was her first album. Janet Jackson, her second album was Dream Street. And it came up really fast, 1984, two years later. She released this album um, and it debuted at number 147 on the Billboard Hot 200 charts and number 19 on the Billboard R&B charts. Um, it was more pop than her debut album, but it wasn't as successful as Joe was hoping for and probably that she was hoping for her first single don't stand by uh i'm sorry don't stand another chance was produced by marlon and it had ad lib vocals by michael jackson on it but gene street was both the lowest charting studio album for janet and her only studio album not to have any billboard hot 100 chart singles have y'all listened to dream street Dream Street many times. I had to remove it from my library because it really isn't a good album, but I know most of the songs and can sing them even though they're not good and Janet pretends they don't exist. Well, I mean, listen, uh, she probably ain't wrong for that. Her next album was the five-time platinum, number one Billboard Top 200, number one Billboard R&B. Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis produced control in 1986 the year that this legend here was born it was her third studio album and it had r&b rap funk disco and synthesized percussion that established not only janet but jimmy jam and terry lewis as the leading innovators in, in contemporary r&b now control is the album that i think when people start thinking about janet jackson in her catalog this is the first one a lot of people think about user one user one what what was your introduction to control what's the first time you remember hearing anything off the control album i don't know the first time i remember hearing something from control i think i remember that video okay i think that's the thing that like sticks in my head because first of all janet is fine as I'm gonna give She's it. Don't clean it up. No, I thought she was gonna clean it up, but go ahead. I was going to, but I couldn't find a better word, like like a, a more appropriate word. Janet is very beautiful and uh um treat her like a lady, lady. 
And she just like that video I thought was like her really coming out in her own, right? Like that album is very autobiographical. And she talks about that a lot about how this was really her moving into the control of her herself, her career. And what I think I like about Janet and what I like about control um, is that if people want to be honest, if we're all honest, like you got to, first of all, so you got to have some years on you. We're not that old. <laughs> I don't know. Some people might listen to us and be like, I'm 18. You're 34. Like, okay. But we're not that old, but the reality is you got to live a little, like you got to at least be 27. Everybody 27 and up will know what I'm talking about. Trying to figure out yourself, who you are, what you're really about, what you're going to accept and not accept, what you're going to do and not do, what you're going to allow other people to do and not do in your atmosphere. That is a Mm -hmm. journey. That is a journey. And I feel like Janet has given us that journey. People might say like, oh, I want to hear more from Janet. It's like, well, actually, she's given so much of herself already. Autobiographically, she has. Michael has. Look at these lyrics. you know, so you should bless his soul. It's hard to find a person like you. You're one of a kind. You know, like I mean, all these lyrics are like, it's like people are, you know, giving, they this they have given you so much in what they're talking about and in their music. And what I really appreciate about Janet is her saying like, I'm trying to figure myself out and I'm being honest about that, as honest as I can be, right? I don't always get it right, but I'm being as honest as I can be. And I feel like control is representative of that whole idea. And so I love that. And I just love where she was headed there because she was she was ready to take off in a way that um, I think where Latoya was trying to take off in the same way, but she was shaky and she ended up in a bad relationship and things kind of got rocky. Jana actually executed this thing well while also going through some very difficult times in her personal life and with the men and the relationships, not, not just romantic relationships. When I say men, I mean, Joe, I mean, Mike, you know, Michael, like that relationship began to fray in some ways, you know, and you got Joe, she's trying to drop him. She marrying this one over here or she getting with this one over here. She's trying to figure out what love really looks like. I just love the evolution of Janet Jackson. And I think control is representative of that. Absolutely. And, you know, control is in the title track control. I mean, if you listen to the lyrics, when I was 17, I did what people told me. Did what my father said and let my mother mow me. But that was long ago. I'm in control. So, I mean, she's off top telling you what, you know, what's been happening um, in this album. I mean, this album had seven or eight singles. Um, my favorite one is Let's Wait a While. Let's wait a while. Anyway, um, user two. Let's talk about the Control album cover, though, because that is an iconic, almost Andy Warhol feeling cover. What do you think about the Control album cover? Do you think that's her most iconic album cover? I think you're right, user 1.5. Janet's Control album is... One, she considers that her first album. She every album before that, nah, <laughs> they ain't count. They were practice. <laughs> you want Janet to talk about those two albums? Nah, she's gonna tell you she was married, and she wasn't. And then she made this album. <laughs> the Control album is iconic because of one, the outfit and the hair. She's got the 
classic updo with a wraparound. And then it's the way that the album design, one, it's got this stark red background and then the sketching over her silhouette just really gave it that cool 80s film, that Andy Warhol thing that you were talking about is visible there. And then it's almost like the way that the cover is designed with her name and the album title, it's almost like her shoulder is the the point of an exclamation point, which is interesting. I, I have not figured out exactly what that part of the art is supposed to be, but I just kind of love how random it is that it's Janet. And then it's like this weird, like Pentagon shaped something and then control and then this cool ass design. Um, so yeah, I think this one's iconic. I think the Rhythm Nation cover is also iconic, but Janet considers this the start of her career. And I think as far as her style and the type of music that she wanted to start making, I think this is the first clear indicator of what direction she was going in as far as her pop star lane in comparison to what Michael or any of the other brothers or her sisters were doing. Yeah. I mean, this is, if you look at the album cover, I think for Halloween one year, what's her name? Simmons, uh, Angela Simmons did a recreation of this album and she did a really good job um, kind of capturing Janet's kind of fierceness. This is the first album cover where she looks like she, she really does look like she's in control. Like she picked this out. She picked out the clothes. She picked out the final design. Like she didn't, she wanted no pool with her hair wet and slick back, smiling. You know what I mean? Like she was like, bitch, I'm here. I heard you bitches was looking for me. Here I go. You know? Um, so this is a really good album cover. And like I said, she had eight, I believe, seven singles from this album. What have you done for me lately? Nasty. When I think of you, control. Let's wait a while. The pleasure principle. And funny how time flies when you're having fun. And this went to number one on every chart, everywhere. It was that album. And um, this was it, what year? This was in 1986. Uh, how do y'all think Michael was feeling in these gap years when he was when he was thumbing through 3,000 songs and Quincy was like, we just need nine? <laughs> wasting money. <laughs> was I mean, but how do you feel like he was, how do you think he was looking at like what Janet was able to start to, uh, like her, her pick, her steam? Like, what do y'all think that that was, that was like for him? Do you think that he was so competitive that he was happy for her, but also like, you coming for me? Cause we definitely know he sabotaged some of Jermaine's shit um, to not compete Mm-mm. with him. Do you? Mm-mm. No, mm, no controversial topic mm. look, okay, look 1.5 is like we're not doing it <laughs> not today Let's i mean do y'all think serious. he really like not he done. was very competitive do you yeah. think that that spilled over into janet land sure and i also think that's part of the genesis of why janet is so secretive because if anyone in her family finds out it's gonna spread latoya made that very clear in her first book that the siblings cannot keep a secret. So if one finds out, they pretty much all found out. And if mother knows, everybody knows. So um, I think she probably felt the, I, I think she probably felt that she needed to prove herself. And so she probably didn't do a lot of 
show and tell per se in the way that maybe Michael did with Off the Wall and Thriller where Randy and Janet and LaToya were kind of contributing in and out. Um, And also the brothers because they were uh, working on some albums uh, at, at that time too as the Jacksons. But I think Janet probably protected her work. And I think Michael did feel threatened a bit but not enough for cause of a lot for alarm. I think he liked black cat and we've now got the proof where he says he liked black cat. He loved um, the knowledge on rhythm nation. Like he had, he samples Janet's voice in when he does the dangerous montage. Um, whenever he did, did the dance sequence for dangerous Janet sampled in that get the point. Good. Let's, Let's dance. dance. <sighs> yep. Like he loved her energy, especially on the dance floor. And he also thought Janet stole the military concept from him. And if she did, good for her because she fucking nailed it. Michael was already doing it, but I think she took it up a notch with the Rhythm Nation, with the Rhythm Nation short film. Um, so I think Michael did start to feel the competition from Janet. Otherwise, they never would have done Scream. I think she was able to prove herself individually. And not to a point where she was like, let me show Michael what I can do. It's more like, let me just try and do my thing to the best of my ability. And if the stars align, then the stars align. And, you know, there there came a point where that collaboration happened and it was during the perfect time. She was a star in her own right. And he definitely was. So I think it worked out for her. Yeah, no, Janet is she and this is the time where her style becomes iconic right like control um and more so with rhythm nation but with control too um you know she people were literally walking around with a hoop earring and a key on it you know what i mean because janet was walking around with a hoop earring and a key on it now we know that was the key to the cages for the lions and tigers and bears at havenhurst but it was just so she was becoming so iconic that people wanted to emulate even that about her i mean and i just i i love this period for janet because i think this is when she really she probably was the most happiest here too because in her documentary she talks about renee and you know they're you know this is about the time that they met and you know fell in love and all that goodness um and so you can really tell even in the music that she's feeling like she has a, a grasp on her own life and that maybe the mistakes of the past are, are have been done, you know, dealt with and over now hindsight being 2020, we know that ain't true, but you can tell in her music, you know, that she just, she just had this confidence about her. That is incredible. Now the control album has been listed by the National Association of Recording Merchandisers and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as one of the 200 definitive albums of all time. And in 2016, it was selected for exhibition in the National Museum of African American History and Culture. So right on Queen Jan. Her next album was Rhythm Nation, 1984. It was certified platinum six times over, and it hit number one on all the charts, as we knew. This was her second album, collaborating with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and she drew her inspiration from various tragedies reported through the news and the media. She explored racism, poverty, and substance abuse, in, in addition to themes of romance in this album. 
Rhythm Nation is the only album in the history of the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 singles to have seven commercial sing- singles peak within the top five. It is also the first album to produce number one hits on the chart in three separate calendar years, including Miss You Much in 1989, Escapade and Black Cat in 1990, and Love Will Never Do Without You in 1991. It is the best-selling album in the United States of 1990, and the tour became the most successful debut concert tour in history with an attendance of over 2 million people. It set a record for the fastest sellout in Japan's Tokyo Dome, selling out in seven minutes. And Janet Janet Jackson became the only female artist other than Madonna to fill arenas at this time. And And I don't understand that. (laughs) She's like light years ahead of a mud. No offense. If you love Madonna and well, Madonna I love, was huge in the in the 80s and 90s. Madonna, so we gotta give it to her. Whether you Randy like her or said not. Madonna was a hoe. Well, okay. Oh God. Oh, I think God. that's oh, what God. Randy said. Oh, Randy, didn't you say that? Randy, oh, come God. on the show. I think okay. Randy said it. I think. But this is my thing. Because regardless of a hoe or not, we all been a hoe sometime in our life. My thing is this about Janet. Janet had the timing. Mm-hmm. She was very shrewd. She stayed out of Michael's way. Other right. people were getting in Michael's way, knowing good as goddamn well it was going to be a problem for their solo al- effort. They Marlon, get run over. Marlon, nope. Marlon. No, no, no. Jermaine. We all know who you were Jermaine. Ta- Jermaine. We all know who you're talking about. You Jackie. Don't have to call no names. You. you when was Jackie's album? You don't need to. Call you need any to stay names. out of his way. You needed to stay out of Michael Jackson's way, and you knew it was coming. You're not going to convince me. Nobody knew but Janet. They knew what you're trying to go head to head. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Yeah. But you didn't have am I wrong? Me. I mean, am I trapping? She wrong. had you're the not timing wrong. down. She wrong. was like, I mean, uh, I mean, if we're being honest, you don't want to go head to head with Michael. I mean, that's the true. 80s. Yeah. I mean, and especially when the people 90s. are asking you in your early 90s interviews yeah. about Michael, I yeah. wouldn't want to, I definitely wouldn't want to drop that one. You Michael. don't want to go head to head with Michael. You want for Michael his thing to happen and go away because you know he's not coming out with nothing soon. Right. He is a perfectionist. He's going to go through 10 million songs before he decides on the two he likes. Then he gonna write ten million more. Yeah, I mean she dropped nineteen eighty nine. So Michael had dropped bad in nineteen eighty eight, seven, eighty seven. Bad was eighty seven, and the tour was went into eighty eight, and then he didn't have another She's album smart. until Dangerous mm-hmm. in ninety three. Yeah, I Na- mean no, Dangerous is ninety one. Okay, I thought it was ninety three. Sorry. Janet was smart. You don't. And, and I mean, this has nothing to do with siblings and family. It has everything to do with who's the top, who's at the top of the heap. OK, do I think I can go head to head and beat them? OK, no. Then I don't want my sales to be competing with their efforts. I want their stuff to come and go and people to have a short attention span for them to go ahead and consume it and be done. And then I want to be able to release something that has its own space to thrive. Look how many good albums came out in the eighties that get eclipsed by thriller. Why would you compete with that artist head to head? Use a one part. I mean, is that a, is that a bad 
analysis. It just felt like she was smart. No, she was. I mean, if you think about, okay, so this album was 1989. This is after Michael dropped Bad. Then you got the Janet Period album that dropped in 1993. That's after Michael dropped Dangerous. That also was certified six times, six times platinum and hit number one R&B, everybody, hit number one everywhere. Um, and she really really got it like once she realized the formula she was like drop whenever michael ain't fucking working and you gotta remember too now she 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 the only duet they did together was scream and that was hit number one on everything you know what i mean so they were two bona fide stars who knew how to work together but stay out of each other's way and i think that that shows the respect that janet had for michael uh as an artist and as and as as the the pioneer that he was, right? As the pop superstar, megastar that he was. We talked about Janet Period very, very quickly. I just kind of ran through it. But the theme of Janet Period is sexual intimacy. And it was an abrupt departure from her conservative image. Much of her lyrics emphasize a woman's perspective on sexuality and the demand for practicing safe sex. It was Janet's third consecutive album in the top 200 and her first to debut at number one. It sold 350,000 copies in its first week and set a record for the highest first week sales for free female artists at that time. Janet, period, remains one of the only seven, remains one of only seven albums in history to produce Six top 10 hits on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart, including That's the Way Love Goes. And again, and again, I, I, I want to emphasize the accolades that go with each album because I want everybody to understand that Janet is a star and she did this on her own and she worked hard and cousin Kevin and Courtney will tell you I, I mean I don't think that that's anything that anybody has ever disputed Jenna Jackson is a star in her own right right the argument comes in or the back and forth comes in with who was the bigger star who had the better talent and that's Michael and Janet and I think regardless of what side you end up on the fact that you can have that argument says something about both of them right because no one's going well who had the better catalog Tito or Michael that's not an argument that we're going to have who had the better catalog, you know, Jermaine or Michael? Who had the better catalog, whoever and Michael? It it is only Janet and Michael, and that says something to what she has been able to accomplish. Absolutely. So her next uh, album after Janet, period, is the Velvet Rope. A lot of people like this album that has a really dope cover with the with she had the curls and she was looking down. Anyway, um, it went three times platinum in in 1997 and it hit number one on the Billboard Hot 200 and number two on the Billboard R&B charts. Prior to its release, she, she renegotiated her contract with Virgin Records for $80 million and it was the largest recording contract in history at that time. Now, let me ask the users this. Do you guys think that because she has such a large contract with Virgin, that that put pressure on her to produce better content or different content or... No, I think it was a validator because... So Richard Branson put Janet in a hot air balloon to make sure he could seal the deal. He flew above the competition. And I think that bidding war really instilled 
built some confidence in Janet. Right. Janet they did it. not fuck up the bag when it came to negotiating this record contract because pretty much every company was bidding for her. Yes. Well, Velvet Rope got to let's go on one of the videos from the project won the 1998 Grammy Award for Best Music Video and together again became an international number one hit and I Get Lonely, user one's favorite song, became Janet's 18th consecutive top 10 single on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, making her the only female artist in history to achieve that feat. Um, she also went on a tour with Velvet Rope. That's when she started doing some bondage type stuff. So ne- Janet Jackson's next album was in 2001, she took a little bit of a break. And this album is the All For You album. Now, this is this album was certified double platinum, hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100, I'm sorry, the Hot 200, and the num- number one on the R&B charts. All For You is probably my first in real time Janet Jackson album that I remember listening to and hearing because the all for you all for you was the was on the soundtrack of the nutty professor and i remember that do y'all remember that yeah i definitely she's, went to the movies with my bestie to see this movie she said got a nice package all right and it Guess took I'm me gonna... years <laughs> did y'all know what she meant when she said that what year was this latoya in 2001 no, of course we didn't. We were babies. No, we did not have a fucking clue. But when well, I, I did know she what she said, about, listen. You know what I? I thought she was talking about his like abs, like six pack. <laughs> well, the fact Stupid that she, that, that she <laughs> your dumb ass. <laughs> the fact that this was so innocent, so like, sweet, so it innocent was on, and sweet. MTV everywhere. We were just sitting there watching our nice package. All right. Guess I'm going to have gonna to have ride it tonight. tonight. I mean, we were like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second, ladies. Hold on a second, tweens. <laughs> tweens, what's that mean to you? Because <laughs> you going to learn today. We didn't Yeah, know. no, we had no idea. Didn't know. Period. Period. It's all for you if you really want it. All for you. You know? So wait, this was 2001. This is 2001. All for you and Invincible dropped around the same That's when she said, I'm ready to go head to head with this nigga. And you know what? Who won? She might have (laughs) won. If it wasn't for 30th anniversary, because that still remains, like you can still turn on the TV and watch that. If it wasn't for the 30th anniversary, she might have won that battle because the song All For You was everywhere. It was. And it you still got doesn't, doesn't Really Matters on that. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't Really Matter is a is Son a of a Gun. Too, but it's Someone to Call My Lover. All Back For You. On the and, road again, mm-hmm. that's, that's my Those, when we song. When we, ooh, when we, when we, when we. You're Listen, going into the deep yes, cuts man. now, but we're talking about the ones that play at the department store, like All For You yeah. and mm-hmm. Someone doesn't To Call really matter. My Lover. Yeah. That's doesn't really matter that's in that like, number two, but yeah. more, more so the other two songs. Do you think she she got Michael with Invincible? You think Invincible took a backseat to this one? I think Butterflies Ooh, is a, that's a bad that's a bad I feel, cut. Yeah. I feel that's like Butterflies cut. could almost single-handedly take all of those songs, but if we're talking quantity, 
and quality janet did both and we got hella music videos out of her for that project. right i think i would agree but and so now we take like the sabotage piece of sony right and we kind of put that to the side but um i agree because we got more content we got uh, more visuals etc cetera, etc cetera, from janet and my invent invincible i think we've covered this a lot so if you haven't heard these uh episodes from us go back and listen to our invincible episodes and listen to some of our commentary we felt like invincible had too many tracks um, and it needed to be parsed down. And Invincible, you knew it was a Michael album, like literally Quincy's not involved, period. You can tell when Quincy's out of the picture because the, there's more tracks and there's less... Um, and they're long new, tracks. There, there's less nuance of like, cut it. You know, Quincy was very like, is this great? Is this like an A or A plus? Like, is this is like a B plus to an A plus song. And if it's a B plus, it really might get cut. He was really looking for A minus or better. Michael was like, I would say Michael, if he had to choose songs, he was working in a B or better range. And so the, it got more tracks. And but that that messes up your percentages about the quality to me. That's that's what happens. So I think I agree with user two about Janet's album in 2001 eclipsing Michael when she said uh, overall quantitative quality of the package that you get. I mean, just for all for you. I mean, I'm here for it. I loved Invincible. Y'all know it's my favorite Michael Jackson album. But all for you, the the Nutty Professor tracks, all for you, and um, Janet had two songs for Nutty Professor. It was songs. all for you, and doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. That's right. Yeah, all for so you all wasn't for on you. that soundtrack, was it? I think it was, wasn't it? written no i don't think so i think they just got doesn't really matter and that's it it. doesn't really matter but i mean those are those two i love and then like i said someone to call my lover that's my janet country album song uh you know she really should take that to the cmas it's not i mean it was great uh i mean anyway that was in 2001 then she followed up the all for you album with Demita Joe in 2004. It was certified platinum and it hit number two on the Billboard Hot 200 and the Billboard R&B charts. Um, it obviously is Janet's middle name and it's a little bit of pop, rock, electro, house music and hip hop in addition to R&B. Prior to its completion, Jackson performed a medley of songs at the Super Bowl halftime show. And that's where things got derailed a little bit by a certain pop star who we shall not be naming on this podcast um, and Nipplegate or the wardrobe malfunction, as we like to call it. Um, because of that, this album did not receive the promotion that it should have Um the branding. I know we talked about this whole Super Bowl situation before. Do either of you have anything to say about that and the impact that it had on Janet's career and this Demita Joe album? I think for the folks who don't remember this time period or may not have been born, it's important to highlight just how hard Janet got blackballed. Like Justin Timberlake ultimately suffered no repercussions from this. Janet got FCC complaints, which then turned into fines for CBS, which were then leveled against her. Then they took the Grammys away from her. She was not allowed to attend and she was supposed to be presenting. Um, I think she was in the process. She, I think the Lena Horne biopic was already greenlit or on the way to being greenlit. And Lena Horne's family then asked Janet 
to remove herself from the project because mm-hmm. Lena Horne herself had been blackballed for right. several years and it took her decades to recover. And the fact that Janet had somewhat been announced and then was tanking pretty much sunk that project from start to finish, even though they asked her to step off of it. It was not, if you remember when Wendy Williams did that Aaliyah biopic and Zendaya was on board. And then as Zendaya learned that the family wasn't with it, she stepped off and the project still continued. That didn't happen when Janet stepped off the Lena Horn project. That thing just kind of fizzled out. She was, her music no longer played on pop radio. She was only playing on, let's be specific, black radio. Pop radio pretty much stopped playing Janet They peeled her off of MTV because of the Viacom structure. She was pretty much relegated to black radio and BET. And, you know, VH1, they have a Jackson bias or they did at some point. So they still play their stuff there. But Janet was pretty much shunned back into the black community. She didn't have any white spaces that she was had readily accessible to her at that point. And so she had to rebrand once she went back on the road. And try that out. That didn't go so hot. She switched record labels. That didn't go so hot. Jermaine Dupree fucked that up. He was supposed to be the lookout. Didn't. And so it was a bit of a spiral because anything that she had on deck slipped away. And Janet truly only in the last four to five years has recovered from that shit. She took a hit. So the fact that a&E bought that project and gave us four whole hours of Janet content. I never thought Janet would get four hours of primetime TV anymore. The way that white America was acting like she fucking took her titties out at a child's birthday party. And that's just not what it was. It was the timeline of that happening on top of Michael being under constant scrutiny and going back into court um, in that period. It just really made everything 10 times worse than what it already was. So you had to have been there to see how dirty they did that woman, but she bounced back. It took a while, but she back. Now, let me ask y'all this question then. And and, and let me just preface it by saying this. Some of y'all's mamas and aunties have done worse at the little kid birthday party when they was drunk than Janet did that day. But we, I digress. Well, do y'all think that for Janet, it's any consolation at this point that people are like, yeah, that was messed up. We was wrong. Mm, I think it's always important when you embarrass me publicly, apologize publicly. So I'm glad that we all kind of agreed that we blew that out of proportion as citizens of the world, not just America, but the whole world blew it out of proportion. Um, I think it's important to highlight that Janet's recent uh, public brand recovered due to a lot of the hard work of Black Twitter. Jan fam and Black Twitter really shone a light on just how dirty Justin Timberlake was. The fuck Justin Timberlake movement hit a peak when Janet and Britney both got that recognition on social media. And as you see, it's turned into several documentaries on Hulu and whatever else um, about those two women in particular and how they were done uh, wrong by him. So I think it's cold comfort, but comfort nonetheless. Um, but somebody need to pay her her money back. All the bread that fell off the table, you know, is it, we all need reparations. I think Janet deserves a bit of reparations too. 
the next album after that whole fiasco was 20YO and that was in 2006 uh, it was also certified platinum and it, the the anniversary of Control was in 2006 the 20 year anniversary which is how she got the name of the album um, she had three singles from that album Call On Me So Excited and With You um, and it earned a Grammy nomination for Best Contemporary R&B Album Discipline was her subsequent album in 2008 um and after discipline we get the unbreakable album which was janet's last album and janet actually released that album uh under her independent label rhythm nation and it was distributed by bmg rights management um for janet jackson um this was her album where she reunited with jimmy jam and terry lewis um for collaboration she did not work with them on the discipline album um discipline has a really cool cover though of janet with her like bondage stuff on and all the words written on her anyway i digress um what do you ladies think about the the last couple of albums from janet jackson so we're talking 20yo discipline and unbreakable um, I think 20YO and Discipline are the same album in two different formats. You could play them back to back, and I really don't know if I'd be able to sort which songs came from which project. That's fair. Um, but Unbreakable is a These are JD point. cuts, right? <clears throat> yeah, that's the JD cuts. That's yeah. the Jermaine Dupree. That's of why it all. you can't, yeah, they definitely sound like Jermaine Dupree. And Go you ahead. can throw Demita Joe in there too. So that would be Demita Joe, Discipline, and 20YO. Like those three, all so so deaf, Casio keyboard, old MPC cuts from Jermaine Dupree. We appreciate you, Jermaine. A lot of bops. Thank you for Strawberry Bounce. Needed that. Um, but Unbreakable is a turning point. One, Janet goes back to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. The subject matter is more substantive. Like those three projects she did with Jermaine Dupree, kind of lovey-dovey, sex theme. She was just vibing. She wasn't, in, she was in a committed relationship, but they weren't married. She was just enjoying being in love. And then she breaks up with this nigga who cheats on her and starts a family. Now, when Unbreakable comes out, she's in a happy family. It's interesting how it took the turn after. And, and a lot of the songs that she did where she was, uh, I think in the initial publicity for Unbreakable, she kind of unpacked it as going through the grieving process for Michael and then coming to terms with she was in this new relationship and she wanted to stay in a happy place with him and she thought she had found the one. And then it ends in divorce. When Janet made the Unbreakable album, she goes on tour. She does the Unbreakable tour. Then she cancels the tour. She has a baby. She gets divorced. She comes back and continues the Unbreakable tour in a new iteration as State of the World tour. Same songs, almost identical set list. And so she works that album for what? Like a four year period? How old is Issa? However old Issa is, I add, know, like but we were show sitting at the State of the World tour. I, I saw Janet before the pregnancy on the Unbreakable tour. And then after when, when the State of the World's picked up, she did State of the World and State of the World too. The way she flipped some of those songs that were really somber 
and turn them into songs about the relationship. But the album was about her being in a happy place and she took the sad songs later and flipped them. I thought that, I think that's wild. I think that's crazy. I need Janet to really unpack for us what happened between Unbreakable and Easter. I guess that's what Black Diamond's going to be. I have zero hope that we're getting Black Diamond. Janet had more than enough opportunities to give us this album. She had a whole pandemic to sit at the house and record in the in peace and quiet like she swears she loves to do. We didn't get it. She dropped that random song that most of us had never heard at the end of the documentary series. And then we found out that was actually a deep cut that a lot of fans did have. Um, and she was surprised that we liked it. She was surprised that we even asked about it when everybody said, oh, is this a new Janet so, song oh, on Black really? Diamond? I saw that. Yeah, I did. Oh, you that I just, it was just something nice. She literally said, it's just something <laughs> just, that we threw into the I end of the documentary. I just up there at the end. You know how just black people get. I just added it up there to see. I didn't know y'all was going like that. Janet, I, I got two things. So A, Unbreakable, you got Damn Baby. Which I thought was like a good cut, but like was it felt like overdone a little bit. Um, but I thought it was like a good cut, but I felt like it was like it could have been a better produced. Okay, so this is the problem I had with that, but like it was like a song that I liked, like the vibe of it, like that damn baby, like vibe of it. And I thought ben, Janet's voice under that sort of like scream in the song of damn baby was like really cool. I just thought maybe it was not produced. Um, in a way that I, I felt like was maybe the best to highlight like her sound or whatever. And then you have uh, obviously for Unbreakable, she she brings in a very hot new rapper, J. Cole, to do No Sleep. And obviously that's one that gets a lot of play and a lot of attention. Um, and at this point, J. Cole is, what, what, what year is this? Is this like 2015? North Carolina artist. <laughs> He's, <laughs> a he Fayetteville, North He's a Fayetteville artist. North Carolina Nobody artist. Nobody Very specific. Yeah. Nobody I'm really, I'm really zeroing in on A, he was really popping at this time. Like people were really, he was really kind of coming into his his stardom and he was really young though so you, you have just this contrast of generations right like to Janet Jackson in this video with J. Cole and uh, he's a really young artist and she is a mature artist and so that leads me into my next question that I think I have for you guys moving into Unbreakable and then the song with uh, Daddy Yankee what's that? Um, Made for Now Made for Now you know these sorts of things co-written by Randy Corinne by Randy. Do well, you guys it was think three lines in the whole song? So I mean, was first it, of all, we're gonna right? Randy. Randy is one of the most talented Jackson brothers that is, I think, under uh, you know underappreciated and unsung in some a lot a lot of ways. And you know, there's some problematic pieces, but he's really talented. Um, here's my real question: Do you guys think that Janet has moved into from pop to adult contemporary R and B? smoothly or do you think that she is holding on to the pop scene in a way that maybe is no longer applicable because she is an, an older artist and an older um older in the sense of how long you've been on the scene and older in the sense of you are an older artist in your age do you think she, that she has transitioned well um moving into this new phase which i think is more appropriate maybe for her or do you think she is still um grasping and trying to be a part of a very pop and young scene and do you think she fits there at this point i think janet at this point does what Janet wants to do, you know? Um, evasive. User two. What? Yes. Don't evade the question. I mean, I'm the question is like, what I do you think? I think that J. 
Janet has done a good job writing the music she wants to write and putting out the music she wants to put out. Whether you call it R&B, pop, it doesn't matter. I think Janet has done a wonderful job transferring her musical powers to whatever y'all want to hear. I think Janet, one, when she's with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, I think they're going to get it out of her, whatever it is. And it's what we want. I think they've got a, a great track record of making motherfucking bops r&b soul pop and they're gonna get it done i pray she does not stray too far away from them in the future but i think if she sticks in that pocket that she has with jimmy jam and terry lewis it's always gonna be right because they know how to pull the truth out of her which is you know where she is at that time and as long as she's committed to where she is she can make it sexy or she cannot she can be a mom she can be a proud mama and you know Cover up them titties like she has done for the past, however old Issa is. I think that she and Michael had the same kind of space. They were entering (laughs) into a similar space where it's like, how do you how do you move into a more contemporary adult contemporary space and not try to like Michael didn't need to do 50 tours and dance full out. You're not 25 no more. And if your fans can't accept that about you, they they can go home and cry into a pillow. Right. Like and there's a space where you move out where you have to let the Tiana Taylors and the Sierras come in and occupy this particular sort of young, vibrant space. Right. Because that's exactly what the music business sells and you have moved not that you're not vibrant and sexy but maybe you're not the young category anymore and you're moving into something different and moving into that gracefully in a way where you can continue to obviously retain your your core audience and maybe bring some newcomers on like charlie wilson has done a good job at that i think he's just done a good like i don't know how he figured out how to do it but like he grabbed a sound that made sense but was also able to, and I think if Luther had, Luther Vandross had lived a little longer, he would have been able to do the same thing Charlie Wilson did because we saw Luther do that with like, you know, can I take you out tonight and those sorts of things. Like moving into contemporary sounds out of pop, which is maybe a younger sound and blah, 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 into this other space. I think Janet did that better than Michael, but then I think sometimes even she maybe didn't necessarily handle those transitions well. That was kind of what I was asking, but I certainly re, uh, respect what you guys were saying about what you feel she's been able to do with her music. All right. All right I let's just want to kind of put a I just want to put a cap on the Janet Jackson episode by stating this. The Unbreakable album debuted at number 1 on the Billboard 200, becoming Janet's seventh album to top the chart in the US. This made her the third artist in the history of the charts to have a number one album in each of the last four decades. And that is why Janet is the Jackson sister. The, that's why Janet got her own episode. Users, any parting thoughts on Miss Demita Jones? I want my parting words to be the same words that got my Twitter banned when I responded to one Janet Jackson. Dame el diamante negro, rapido. User one. What are your parting Janet words? God bless Janet and Jackson. God bless the Jackson family. They are a family that has given us more than the Clintons, 
or the Osmonds or the DeBarges or anybody. They just, they got it. God bless them. And that, dear users and listeners, wraps up our two-part Sister Sister episode on the Jackson Sisters. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you drop comments and likes and make sure you donate to the Black Jackson Estate. We will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.